welcome everyone to Science Society and of course a special welcome uh, to you, um, um, Menhu. Um, and so that the audience gets to know you a little bit, uh, let me give them a short overview over, you know, what you do and so on. So uh, Menhu has actually two PhD degrees one in astrophysics and one in philosophy. I think that is so wonderful uh, for many reasons. So it's really an honor having you here. And um, yeah, his research focuses on astrophysics, cosmology, philosophy of science, uh, philosophy of religion, and the dialogue between those fields, especially science and religion and STEM education. And he is currently the elect elected fellow of the International Society for Science and Religion, and also an expert advisor of the Hong Kong Space Museum, and a member of the International Astronomical Union. And he is also a regular guest, I think, of the um, host of a TV talk show, um, and he received uh, the Humanities and Social Sciences Prestigious Fellowship awarded by the University Grants Committee. So um, this, is, this is such an outstanding, uh, like a different um, biography, basically. So I'm very curious to hear the interview and Victoria usually does the interview section. So Victoria, the stage is yours, thank you. All right, thank you. Quick and painless interview, however, Manho, don't worry. Um, <laughs> that was, what a wonderful bio. It's, yeah, I'm even more um, looking forward to hearing what you're about to share with us. And thank you so much. Science Society is so grateful to have you here. And so we would love to know maybe more about your passion and what, what was your initial spark of interest in um, perhaps it was in your childhood that got you connected to science because you have you have um, these diverse interests that you know not only they're your interests but you've pursued these things and um, yeah so that's my question when yeah. where did it happen yeah. what was okay. it so first of all thank you very much for your invitation uh, so that I have a chance to be here to talk about uh, my research and also thanks for the interview and I. I I think uh, when I was a uh, when I was small, right, and basically I uh, I love mathematics, right, but not uh, strictly science, right, because uh, I find that mathematics is interesting. So I, I also love reading uh, science books, but um, but not comparatively. I'm um, my interest in mathematics is much more than in science. Well, but uh, later on, I find that uh, I'm quite interested in learning uh, the uh, content knowledge in uh, in astronomy and also in cosmology because I find that uh, there are a lot of mysteries that are waiting for us to solve and we, we know very little about our universe. And I find that uh, also our universe is very beautiful and just looking at the stars, the planets, and whatever, right, in the universe, I find that, uh, so they are all very beautiful. Therefore, later on, I uh, joined some astronomical society to learn how to uh, 
uh, observe uh, stars and also learn some uh, basic knowledge about astronomy. Wow, but uh, at that moment, I still uh, quite interested in mathematics until I'm, uh, I think uh, was in the high, high levels, a uh, high school student. And then uh, my interest in physics, okay, outweighed the, my interest in mathematics. Of course, I still quite interested in mathematics right now and nowadays, right? I, I love, right? But uh, I think uh, my passion and my interest in physics is much more than in other subjects, right? Especially in astronomy and astrophysics. Because I find that physics is um, a wonderful subject that connects uh, the universe, the knowledge of universe, connects uh, our knowledge about our nature, okay? And with mathematics and also with uh, uh, some very simple laws. Right? I think uh, we can use mathematics to describe our nature and we can use uh, uh, simple laws to describe our nature. I think this is very uh, fascinating and very, very wonderful. And, and I find that uh, all these uh, attracted me to uh, engage in, in astronomy and physics. And, and I would like to learn more about our universe. And because uh, I am a Christian and I believe that uh, God has created our universe and I want to know more about his creation. And this is also one of my passion why I uh, currently engaging in uh, research uh, about astrophysics because I want to know uh, more about our universe. Right, So this is our the, my major passion that I'm, uh, uh, yes, this is my major passion, yeah. Wow, thank you so much. I, um, yes, this is, this is all the, all the answers to this question. And maybe you can bring us up to where you are now from where you said that you, you chose physics and math, um, you know, over mathematics. If you can take us through some major events in your life that brought you up to the work that you're about to present. Okay, uh, so I'm currently uh, working in the Education University of Hong Kong as an associate professor. But before uh, entering this university, I was a lecturer in another university teaching physics. And basically before uh, working as a lecturer in university, I was a secondary school teacher okay, for several years. And I, uh, because I, I graduated from physics right, uh, in the Chinese University of Hong Kong. And then after that, I, I uh, studied, I pursued a master of philosophy uh, in physics. And, and after that, I, I become a teacher for uh, several years. And then I simultaneously, I, I, at the same time, I, I pursue PhD degree and uh, to learn more about astrophysics. And after graduation, then I, I uh, uh, went to university to teach and I continue my research. And I think uh, the most important point is to, you have to engage in the subject, right? Uh, and you want you have to learn uh, new things, right? Because when when I was a graduate student, uh, undergraduate student, I learned physics and astronomy. But all these knowledge already old, okay. So you have to 
catch up new things, right? After five years or uh, three to five years, then, okay, the entire knowledge about physics may, be, may, may change, right? And, and you have to catch up the new things, right? Um, and you have to learn more about uh, uh, new discoveries, uh, new observational data. So um, I think that the, the key point is to uh, keep your interest in that subject and learn more, uh, know more about that, right? Even though you are engaging in research, but uh, that's not enough. So you, you, you work on research, you have to, maybe you have to think about the prop problem topics, solve the problems, calculate, right? You have to do many things, right? But at the same time, you, you also need to know more about uh, other things, right? In the same area. So you, you need to uh, read news, right? About uh, the latest research in natural physics, uh, even though that those news may not be the same uh, or may not be uh, similar to the area that you're working on, but you still need to know, right? Because you may, maybe someday later, right? You will work on those topics, right? Or related to those topics, you don't know, right? Therefore, uh, every day I, I try my best to read latest discovery and latest news and uh, to make myself uh, to be uh, engaging in the most frontier topics in, in uh, astrophysics and astronomy, yeah. It's so exciting. It only gets more and more exciting the more you tell us. So at this point, how about you just take it away? And the mic is yours, and uh, Katarina has pinned your, your information up at the top, the, your Google Doc. People can follow along. And then if... Um, at the end, if you'd like to have a Q&A, we can bring friends up to ask questions, and sometimes people will put post questions in the chat that we can share with you also. Okay. So, um, yeah, feel free. Okay, thank you very much, right? Mm. So, uh, thank you very much again, right? Uh, I think this is a very wonderful experience for me to talk about uh, this topic or any other topics. Uh, I, I, I enjoy talking uh so physics to general public and also from uh, to any other uh, uh, people from all about uh, all around the world, right? So this is a very good experience for me, and and I hope that uh, if you have questions, then you can just uh, ask me, right? So I try my best to ask uh, answer you all the questions about astrophysics, uh, related or not related to this topic is still fine, okay? So uh, from the document, you can see uh, there are some slides that I have made for this particular topic. Uh, so the topic is uh, just the same as my paper, Indirect Evidence for Dark Matter Density Spice Around Stellar Mass uh, Black Holes. So I will, uh, this is my first time to use this uh, platform. And uh, if, you, if you are not clear what I'm saying, then you, you just let me know, okay? So, uh, so I start, right, uh, we go to slide two and you can see some uh, press release that you can read from uh, the internet. So all these are uh, the uh, article, uh, I mean the press drafted by uh, the uh, media, right? Or some articles are uh, drafted by us and, and we try our best to use some 
uh, layman language, right, and simple jargon, right, or simple language to uh, talk about our research result to the general topic. So after that, if you have in you are, if you are interested in this topic very much, and then you want to know more about that, or you don't understand what I'm talking about, right, uh, in the following uh, uh, slides, then you can go back to read this uh, press release, and then you can. I hope that you can uh, understand more about uh, the topic. So uh, to start with this topic, then uh, in slide three, you can see uh, the uh, some concepts. I, I will try to explain some concepts before going to the key uh, topics uh, in, uh, I mean, the key content of this topic. Uh, so black hole, maybe I think most of you have heard this term, right? And most of you may already know uh, what's mean by black hole, but I just want to uh, uh, give you a very simple uh, introduction about this. So black hole, basically, uh, you can imagine this, uh, a black hole can prevent anything from, ex uh, anything escape from the event horizon of it, right? So what's mean by an event horizon? So uh, you can see the figure, right? Uh, bottom right-hand side, and you can see a singularity. That is a point. Uh, there are lots of mass concentrated at the singularity. And surrounding this singularity, there is a, a sphere, right? And uh, the region we call the event horizon. And this is the region that anything inside this event horizon cannot escape from this region, even light, right? Okay. Uh, no matter light, neutrinos, any other particles, right? If they are falling inside this uh, event horizon, they cannot escape from this, okay? And beside this property, a black hole can attract the surrounding matter gravitationally. So you know that every uh, mass, right? So if you have mass, right? Any Anything you have mass, any object, if you have mass, if it is massive, then uh, they will have gravitational force to attract another mass, okay? So any massive objects, they will attract together gravitationally. So that's the same for black hole, okay? This is not the unique property for black hole, but black hole because it is massive. So their gravitational force will be large enough to attract the surrounding matter uh, around this. So you can imagine uh, that if there are some particles or matter surrounding the black hole, then the black hole will attract them, okay? So how do we have a, why do we have a black hole? So there are several possible origins here. I just uh, list out uh, a certain. So uh, the most popular one is uh, the death of a star, right? Of course, not all star, star will become a black hole, no, right? But uh, some massive star, right? In the final stage, uh, they will undergo a uh, supernova, okay? And then after the supernova, if the central core of the star is massive enough, then they will uh, become a black hole, right? And, and so the chance might not be very high, but uh, this is one of the key uh, uh, 
consequence of a, a death of a star, right? So the other possibilities may be a white dwarf, neutron star, right? And the second pops possibility for black hole formation is uh, primordial. That means at the very beginning of our universe, because of some mechanisms, I, I will not uh, talk about this in details, but uh, there are some possible mechanisms. I just say possible because we are not confirmed. Uh, we, we do not confirm this one, uh, whether this is true or not. But uh, just uh, there are some theories talking about black holes can be formed at the very beginning of our universe. Okay, And this we call primordial black hole. These black holes can be very small. Okay, What's mean by very small? That means I mean the mass is very small. Can be smaller than our Earth, the mass. Okay. Some of the primordial black holes may be very high mass, right? Very massive. Okay. So uh the range of mass is not uh uh is not confirmed, right? Because this theory is not confirmed. So we, we are not quite sure about uh, the range of the primordial black hole, but this is one of the poss possible mechanisms uh for the black hole formation. And there are others. Okay, uh, for example, some uh, neutron star, okay, they attract the other to the surrounding matter and then become massive enough, right? They will become black hole, right? Uh, but the chance is not very high, but uh, this is uh, another possibility. So uh, these are the possible mechanisms for black hole formation. Okay, besides black hole, right, another concept in slide 4 you can see is dark matter. So what's the mean by dark matter? Dark matter, you just look at the name, you can see it's something like very dark. The matter is dark, right? But this does not mean that, well, you have some black objects, right, uh, in our Earth, right? Because you see some uh, uh, black things, right, uh, or the, the object painted in black, right? They are not dark matter, right? Dark matter, okay, specifically, this term is talking about the matter that, okay, uh, in our universe, okay, uh, they do not interact with light and they do not interact with ordinary matter, right? And we cannot observe them in principle. So you cannot using your telescope or eyes to, to figure out the dark matter because dark matter do not uh they the part dark matter particles right do not emit light and do not reflect light do not interact with light so you cannot use any uh observational technique to observe dark matter because or any observational technique you need to use light right because they emit light or they reflect light then you can see them right but if they do not reflect light they do not emit light then you cannot see them right uh, therefore, we we say or we call this matter dark matter. But how do we know dark matter exists? We cannot observe them. How do we know? Because dark matter is massive, right? I have mentioned, right? They have mass, okay? And when they have mass, then they will attract the other particles. So we know dark matter exists because they attract the others particle and we just can recognize dark matter indirectly through gravitational attraction okay 
So we know that uh, dark matter exists in our galaxy, not only in our galaxy, but also in all, almost all galaxies, galaxy clusters, and also our whole universe, we can see a lot of dark matter. And one interesting thing is that around 90% of matter is dark matter in our universe. So we, our ordinary matter that you can see on our Earth just contribute 10% of the total matter. So you add up all the stars, add up all the dust in our universe, add up all the particles that you can see in our universe, just 10%. Okay, 90% of matter is dark matter. So more than 90% you don't know, right? We don't know what is dark matter actually. So they may be unknown particles, okay? Of course, uh, some other theories suggest that uh, dark matter does not exist, right? But uh, I, I'm not going to uh, talk about this, but I just say, assume dark matter exists and they probably are un uh, unknown particles, okay? And we don't know what they are. Uh, what What is the mass of the particle? We don't know, right? We only know that they, the, uh, the dark matter in our universe uh, does not interact with ordinary matter, okay? Almost does not interact with ordinary matter. But we can see the effect of dark matter via gravitational interaction, okay? So we have no, we have, we have known black hole, the concept of black hole, also the concept of dark matter, then next slide, you can see the slide number five, you can see that how uh, is their relation, right? Between black hole and dark matter. So do they have any specific relation, right? Uh, the answer is yes. Okay, some say that black hole indeed uh, contribute some percentage of dark matter. Remember black hole also does not emit light, does not reflect light. So, Strictly speaking, black hole is a kind of dark matter, but we know that in our universe we cannot have so many dark uh, so many black holes. Okay, if dark matter contributes ninety percent of the total matter, it is impossible for black hole to be the whole, uh, constitute the, the all of the dark matter. So maybe they contribute a little bit of dark matter. Okay, but here I'm not saying that whether black hole is dark matter or not. I'm saying that if Dark matter is unknown particles, right? Then they can distribute, okay, around black hole, right? Because in our universe, uh, dark matter is distributed throughout a galaxy and throughout our universe, right? So everywhere you can see dark matter, we can, we have dark matter. Actually, uh, surrounding our Earth, surrounding our sun, okay, there is dark matter, right? Although we don't know because they they, uh, they do not have any interaction, right? But we believe that they exist, right? And uh, if there is a black hole in our galaxy, then we can imagine that dark matter also surround uh, these black holes in our galaxy or in other galaxies also. also. And you can also imagine that if dark matter is surrounding uh, a black hole, then the black hole will swallow some of the dark matter surrounding it because too close, right? Or uh, 
uh, too close to the event horizon and then some of the dark matter will be attracted by the black hole and then finally uh, in, uh, go inside the into the uh, event horizon and never come out right and then uh, they will be swallowed right by the black hole but not all the star matter will be swallowed by a black hole because far away from the black hole okay you you can imagine they still remain right okay they uh do not attract uh, uh they are not attracted by the black hole but they will redistribute because some of the dark matter in near nearby the black hole uh swallowed by the black hole right and the remaining dark matter okay at the at the outside region, right, will be will redistribute and, and fill up some of the space inside, right? And theoretical physics can model this redistribution of dark matter. The remaining dark matter would redistribute to form, we call a technical term called density spike around the black hole. So what what's mean by density spike? Density spike is that the density is very 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 high just like a spike okay okay so very high okay very high uh near the the black hole is very very high okay and but of course not inside the event horizon because inside the event horizon will drop to the singularity so this is a very high density outside the black hole event horizon or near the black hole horizon not inside okay outside the event horizon so this density spike is predicted by theoretical physics how do we predict them we just consider very simple physics energy and angular momentum conservation of dark matter so you can imagine uh, the dark matter particles for those that dark matter particles having small velocity small speed right they will be attracted by the black hole and then swallowed by the black hole so what remain would be the high speed dark matter particles right outside and then because most because uh, high speed right and then they will uh the energy will be redistributed okay and then they will go to fill up the lower uh the uh the region right uh, near the black hole and then because of the energy conservation and also you need to consider the angular momentum conservation and then the redistribution will change the density the shape of density and finally we find that the density will be like a spike very very high near the black hole horizon uh, black hole event horizon so uh, i think this is a very technical uh part right so i i won't uh just give you a very brief idea about this right if you want to know more about the details about how the spike form then this is very technical then you can refer to some of the from some of the uh, papers or articles that uh, from my article you can see the reference right and this uh, prediction has been derived uh, for more than 20 years right okay so uh, already uh, well known right this one but uh, we still do not have any concrete evidence about this density spike because we have uh, we have predicted this consequence 
Okay, the density, dark matter density near a black hole, right? We have predicted this. But we have no confirmation about this because, you know, I have mentioned uh, dark matter is very difficult to observe, right? Because they do not reflect light, do not emit light, right? And that's why uh, we can't confirm this prediction or we not, not can't confirm, right? We are difficult to confirm this, okay? So we have to rely on other means to uh, verify this uh, theoretical picture. So uh, in slide six, okay, uh, because uh, my paper is talking about uh, black hole binary system. So I use a figure to illustrate what's mean by black hole binary system. So binary system, you know, right? There are two stars or two objects orbiting uh, from uh, to each other. And uh, for a black hole binary system, is one of them is a black hole, then we call it by black hole binary. Or two black holes, also we call black hole binary, right? So if one of them is black hole, okay, and the other is a star, and we call this uh, a companion star, right? Then, uh, the companion star will orbit the central black hole. Okay. And then you can figure, you can see that some of the gas from the companion star will be swallowed by the black hole because attract, right? The black hole, very large attraction gravitationally and attract or pull out some of the matter from the companion star and then will continue to attract and swallow the matter, okay, by the black hole. And then these kinds of attraction would generate a lot of heat because of the friction, okay, and heat up very high temperature. So this high temperature can emit X-ray, very high, million degrees Celsius, right, more than. And then these kinds of heated gas would emit X-ray. And we can detect these X-ray signals. Right, uh, X-ray telescopes can detect this binary X-ray, okay? Because the binary system is very small, you cannot really resolve this, right? You cannot really see two objects, right? You can just see one, one single point, right? Actually, it's two objects, right? But because of the X-ray, this single point emit X-ray, and then we can figure out that this is an X-ray binary system. By looking at the X-ray signals, we can measure the details of the system because uh, the X-ray will change the signal, right? Because the companion star is moving, orbiting about the central black hole, then the X-ray will also, the, I mean the heated gas will also orbiting about the black hole. Therefore, the X-ray signal is time dependent, okay? You look at the variation and then you can see, basically, this is a binary system a companion star is orbiting about the cent central black hole, and then you can gather enough information for uh, further analysis. So in slide seven, uh, slide number seven, uh, you can see in uh, my paper, you can see a very technical term called dynamical friction. So uh, I need to talk about this, right? And this is not a very difficult concept, but uh, you may not have heard of this 
Uh, what's mean by dynamical friction? You can imagine dynamical friction is just like friction, but the, the mechanism is different. So consider a mass M passing through a background path of dark matter particles. So in the right-hand side, you can see a figure. The top panel, the topmost panel, you can see there is a mass M passing through a background path of dark matter particles. So you can imagine there are lots of dark matter particles at the background okay because they do not interact with the mass m so the mass can pass through this path because no interaction uh, between the dark matter particles and the mass m but when the mass m passing through the background path okay because of the gravitational attraction right uh, i mean because of the mo movement sorry because of the movement right some of the dark matter particle would be slightly redistributed because of the gravitational attraction, something like that, right? So the dark matter particle will be slightly redistributed due to this effect and accumulate at the back of the movement. So in the middle panel, you can see uh, from the right-hand side of the figure, uh, you can see a, an oval, right, the region bounded by an uh, ellipse, right? The uh, bounded by the dashed, uh, yellow dashed line, okay? So that region will be uh, more concentrated, okay? Uh, for particles, right? More particles inside this region, and then will exert a attractive force to the mass M, okay? Of course, there are some particles in front of M will attract M, right? But there are more particles at the back with attract M. So a slightly higher density of dark matter particles at the back would give a gravitational force to decelerate the movement of M. So when M is moving forward, but the high a little bit slightly higher density at the back will attract it, will attract the mass M, okay, in uh in the reverse direction of the movement. Okay, and this force will further decelerate the movement of M, and this just like a friction, okay, just like a friction, right? And this friction would uh, decelerate the movement of M. That means M would moving slower and slower and slower. But of course, remember this effect is very small because the so-called slightly redistribution is very slight, right? Very small, just a very slightly higher density. Okay. So this dynamical friction, the effect is very, very small, in fact. Okay. Uh, this effect has been uh, proposed for more than 80 or 90 years. Okay. Uh, it was proposed by Chen Tseker. Uh, I'm not quite sure whether you know Chen Tseker. Uh, if you know White Dwarf, right, then you know Chen Tseker limit. That is the same Chen Tseker, right? So this is a very, uh, the Lobel laureate, okay? Uh, 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 Indian Lobel laureate, okay? Okay, so we have learned a lot of concepts. You have learned black hole. We have learned dark matter. We have learned uh, uh, binary system and we have learned dynamical friction. Okay, so now 
we join all these concepts together. So in slide number eight, so we consider the dynamical friction in the bi black hole binary system. Okay. So I've mentioned that dynamical friction is a very small effect, right? Very, very small effect. So I think no one would really imagine or no one would really think of uh, whether dynamical friction can be seen in black hole binary system because the effect is very, very small, right? But uh, surprisingly, I, I can say surprisingly because at the very beginning, I, I'm not, uh, my intention for doing this research is not going to understand the dynamical friction in the binary system. Okay, I have other purpose, right? Uh, I want to uh, test other theories, right? But uh, when I try to use dynamical friction, this concept, and then I just try in the binary system, black hole binary system, and I surprisingly find that the effect is not that small, okay? Well, one can imagine that the companion star orbiting a black hole, okay, would be slowed down via dynamical friction. Okay, so I try to uh, apply this concept or this model in the black hole binary system. And I, I assume that dark matter distributed near the black hole, right? So, uh, actually, I mentioned this process is well known, right? Already know dynamical friction, we know dark matter spike, right? We, we already know, right? But we, we have no idea on how large is the dynamical friction, okay? We, we just have this concept, very small, very small, very small, right? But in fact, this is not uh, negligible, okay? Uh, we can calculate the dynamical friction, and we can calculate the energy loss due to dynamical friction. So I know that uh, you are not a uh, very familiar with physics or mathematics, so I, I the, the equation here, I, I think I will not talk about too much. I just want to illustrate uh, what are the factors involved in the energy loss and the decay rate, right? So for energy loss, this is the dynamical friction energy loss. So you can imagine because dynamical friction decelerate the movement, right? You can imagine a companion star orbiting about a black hole, but because of the dynamical friction, the companion star is moving slow, slower and slower. When the movement is slower, the energy is losing, right? Because you know that uh, moving slower, the kinetic energy is smaller, right? So the energy loss due to dynamical friction, we can uh, we can quantitatively describe by uh, this equation, right? I'm not going into details, but I just want to mention, it depends on the density of dark matter. So you can see the rho dm. This is the density of dark matter. And also depends on the velocity of the companion star, okay? So the V, okay? Also depends on the mass of the companion star M, small letter M, okay? So all these factors come together and you can calculate the energy loss. So when you have energy loss, because energy loss, that means the companion star is moving slower and slower. And we find that the period, the orbital period, because the companion star will orbit uh, about the black hole within a certain time, 
okay complete one period okay usually minutes right uh, uh or seconds right it depends on the binary system right but if the motion is slowing down the period would also be slower uh, i mean smaller okay and this we call the orbital decay rate okay the orbital decay rate so this orbital decay rate can also be calculated by the dynamical dynamical friction effect so here i just involve the observed parameters of the black hole binary system so we can observe the period p we can observe the uh uh the uh inclination the orbital inclination i and also some other factors so i'm not going through all these uh, details i just want to say okay we can theoretically calculate all these uh terms and then we can calculate the orbital decay rate so we can predict the orbital decay rate by looking at the dynamical friction in the black hole binary system so in slide number nine i just uh give you the table this table is extracted from my paper and you can see all the observed parameters so you can see the observed parameters here so the m bh that is the black hole mass and the q is a ratio of the uh the mass ratio of the uh companion star to the black hole mass okay and also uh the k is the, the kind of velocity something like that and i is the inclination p is the period okay uh for these two binary systems that i have chosen a uh 62000 and also xteej uh 1118 plus 480 so these two binary systems we have all well-known parameters i will tell you why we are uh we choose these two okay uh one reason is that we these two binary systems are well-known the parameters okay uh so you can see all the numbers we can measure in very good precision you can see the period day right right uh 0 0.3 two three so you can see there are number of a lot of digits right so we have very precise measurement okay and also we have the the orbital decay uh, or, orbital period decay p dot right okay so the p dot is just like millisecond per year that means every year the period is smaller by just 0 0.6 millisecond that means 10 to the power minus 3 second and also d is the distance from that binary system from our earth it's around 1000 kilo pa uh, 1000 parsec that means uh, 3000 light year around okay 3000 to 4000 light years so why i choose these two binary systems because i have mentioned all the parameters well known right good precision that we can do uh, better analysis the second reason why why we have known so much details about these two binary systems because these two binary systems are almost the closest binary system to our earth the black hole binary system right so these two are the two closest black holes okay that's why we have already observed this long time ago right 
So we have a lot of observation time looking at these two objects. Therefore, we have gathered a lot of information about uh, the black hole binary systems. Okay, the next slide is a technical slide, right? So uh, slide number 10. Uh, the dark matter density spike model. So this is a model I've mentioned. Uh, this theoretical predictions has uh, been uh, proposed uh, for 20, more than 20 years. Okay, so one, uh, 19, 1999, right? So it was proposed in 1999. And originally, originally the spike model uh, was proposed based on the galactic supermassive black hole physics, okay? So they considered the galactic supermassive black hole, okay? But in general, this idea and this concept can be applied in the stellar mass black hole also. Of course, uh, maybe some of the physicists uh, not completely agree with this, but uh, I don't think there's a reason that uh, this model can only apply to supermassive black hole but not in stellar mass black hole because the mechanism can be the same. The black hole swallows some of the dark matter surrounding the black hole, and then the dark matter redistribute the density. Okay, so I think I think the only difference is that the density would be uh, uh, the value of the density will be smaller, right, compared with that in galactic supermassive black hole. But uh, for stellar mass black hole, you still have this uh, consequence. Okay, and Many other studies also consider this, but they mainly focus on intermediate mass black hole because they do not believe that stellar mass black hole, if there are density spikes, dark matter, dark matter density spikes, they would be really observable. Okay, they 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 have no idea on this, right? They so they focus on intermediate mass black holes, uh, in somewhere in 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 our universe. Okay. So I think this is the first time that uh, this spike model is considered in a stellar mass black hole. And the equations shown here is uh, the model that we have used. This is a standard model in a density spike model. Uh, and you can see a in an index called gamma, right? So you can see in the middle of the equation, so you can see a gamma, the index, right? The power. Uh, this is, we call the spike index. This is the major parameter in the spike model. The spike model predicts that the gamma is around 1.5 to 2.5. So this is predicted by theoretical physics. So this is the signature of the spike model, the gamma. You can see, remember this, okay? Okay, so now I apply this spike model into our uh, into the chosen black hole binary systems. So next slide, uh, slide number 11, you can see the figure, okay? So uh, the black and red lines indicates uh, the uh, orbital decay rate, okay, for different spike index. The black line indicates uh, the orbital decay, the predicted orbital decay rate due to the dynamical friction. That means our model, right? Uh, for the A620 uh, black hole system, and the red line indicates the XTE black hole system. So these two solid lines basically describe 
the uh, predicted orbital decay due to dynamical friction. Okay, and the horizontal dashed line indicate the orbital decay rate observed. Okay, so why is horizontal? Because the observed value is constant, right? So we know the observed value. So based on the table, you can see the observed value. And by looking at this, the intersection between the black solid line and dashed line and the red line and the dashed line, red dashed line, you can see the spike index. Okay. So this is the solution of the spike index because we don't know this, right? So we have to do some uh, analysis and then you can get the spike index. So the next slide, 12, number 12, you can see the uh, fitted parameters. So the gamma fitted is 1.71 for A620. And for XTE system, you can see the gamma is 1.85. And the uncertainty is included also. And you can see that this gamma value is uh in uh, is between is uh lie within the predicted value. Remember the gamma is 1.5 to 2.5, the radical prediction. And based on these two binary systems, you can see gamma is 1.7 and 1.8. That means these two systems okay might have dark matter density spike. Okay, and the dynamical friction of the dark matter density spike, okay, uh, to the companion star, slow down the orbital decay rate, right? Uh, I mean slow down the orbital uh, period, right? Can satisfactorily explain, right, everything, right? Uh, and therefore we can see that uh, the density spike might exist around these black holes and this uncertainty, even though you include uncertainty. Okay, it's still above 1.5, right? Okay. So uh, slide number 13. So what is the implication? Okay, or well, what are the implications or discussion about uh, this result? I think the results are consistent with the dark matter density spike model surrounding black holes. I'm not saying that uh, this is the only explanation. Okay. But I will say this is uh, quite consistent with with uh, all of the uh, concepts that we have discussed, including the spike model, the dynamical friction, and also we have the orbital decay rate. And uh, the high density of dark matter is dis uh, distributed near the black hole can exert dynamical friction to slow down the companion stars. And in fact, do we have any other explanations for the observed decay in orbital periods? I My answer is, no, there's no satisfactory explanation. Of course, there are some possible explanations, but these explanations, they have some problems, okay? Or they have some uh, com complicated assumptions, right? So there is no satisfactory explanation for the observed decay. But if you use dynamical friction of dark matter, this can give a satisfactory explanation for the observed decay in orbital periods. Because we can, uh, there's another mechanism that can lead to orb orbital decay uh, in binary system, that is the gravitational wave. Because when the companion star moving about the black hole, uh, the gravitational 
gravitational wave will be emitted and some energy will lost, right? But the problem is that the orbital decay rate due to gravitational wave emission, the value is very, very small, okay? Much smaller than the observed decay. Therefore, we have to rely on other explanations to explain or to account for the observed decay in this binary system. And this model provides a satisfactory explanation. Of course, I, I have to say again, this is not the only explanation. Okay, but this is a good or right, a satisfactory explanation, okay, in my opinion. And if this is the case, right, then it provides the first evidence of a high density of dark matter around, uh, around a stellar mass black hole. And I've mentioned that it is near impossible, nearly impossible for us to confirm dark matter exists around a black hole. But based on this uh, analysis, we can indirect, we can indirectly confirm that dark matter exists around a stellar mass black hole. So using dynamical methods, probably the maybe the only way, okay, uh, to have this kind of confirmation. Of course, we can uh, have other means, right? Uh, but I don't, don't have time to talk about this. But uh, basically, um, dynamical way would be uh, an effective and uh, a good way to uh, confirm or to, to support the idea of dark matter uh, surrounding a uh, standard mass black hole. Uh, the last, uh, the second last slide, number 14, right? Um, so uh, there are further work can be done. Uh, we have no many binary back, uh, black hole binary. So one black hole binary called Nova uh, Moscow, uh, uh, there it also has uh, fast orbital decay, right? Uh, maybe there is a high density of dark matter surrounding the black hole probably. Okay, so we can also investigate these similar systems to constrain the properties of dark matter. And we have many other dark matter, uh, I mean, many other black hole binary, binaries in our galaxies, uh, which can also give rich information to study dark matter. And this provides a completely new research direction on dark matter. So I hope you enjoy uh, learning this particular difficult topic, right? And uh, I would love to uh, listen or hear to your questions, right, if you have. So thank you very much for your listening. Well, thank you so much for uh, your wonderful presentation and uh, that you guided us through the theoretical background um, and, you know, how then you um, came um, up with them to basically analyze the data and um, it's really impressive how how the data matches um, this model. Uh, is is it? I feel like is it rare that it matches so well? Like, how likely is it that you know this is not the case because you know it's so it's pretty precise? Or or am I wrong? <laughs> Thank you. So do you mean uh, uh, the? So how can we get the so very very precise analysis? Yeah. Also, that um, this 
this orbital decay of the companion star, how uh, precisely, um, oh. you know, the the data basically that's observed matches with this theoretical, it, with the theory, it's, it's really, you know, pretty precise, so, right. or very precise. So is that, is it likely that, you know, it's very likely that this is the case, you know, because you said there could be also other explanations, but right, how right. likely is it that it's not this explanation? Yeah. Because it looks pretty accurate. Yeah. So I think uh, there are two important points that we need to uh, to uh, understand, right? Because uh, the first one is that I mentioned, this is not the only explanation. So I, I'm, uh, I will say uh, maybe there are some other explanation that can be better than uh, mine, right? So uh, I'm open. And if there are other explanations that can explain the observed orbital decays, then I will be happy to to uh, uh, know, right? And why we can get so precise uh, uh, value, right? So you can see the uh, gamma, the value, right? So 1.71 plus or minus 0 0.04 or 0 0.0, uh, something like that, right? And and you can see the percentage error is very small. So why we get this very small error? Because uh, we we think uh, the observational data of these two binaries, okay? So these are the astronomers, right? The, the, uh, uh, the, the data obtained by the astronomers are very, very powerful. So you can see uh, in... Uh, my slide number nine, right? The table, okay. The table in slide number nine, you can see. Uh, there are different values, right? Parameters in the uh, uh, binary systems, so you can see the uncertainty is small, right? So all of the uncertainties are small, okay. And these small uncertainties, okay, enable us to calculate the result precisely okay and if you have a large uncertainty then you cannot get the result so precise okay therefore uh, i think uh, the accurate measurements of uh, uh, these two binary systems enable us to get everything in an accurate and precise uh, value so uh, this is a major reason yeah and so you mentioned the black hole. Does it have to have a specific um, size for this to occur in a way that we can observe it? Would a very small black hole, I don't know what, um, or would this effect we be larger in, in those huge black holes? Uh, would the drag be even more... Um, you know, the friction, would it be even stronger? Or is it the same, basically? The, does it is it dependent on the size of the black hole? Oh, yes, yes, of course, right? Uh, this is a good question, okay? So uh, there are several ways you can see the mass of the black hole comes, okay? So uh, in slide number eight, okay, uh, I have no way to use uh, uh, the equation here, right? So to illustrate the effect. So in slide number eight, you can see the 
orbital decay rate, it depends on the mass of the black hole, right? MBH, okay? Uh, here, you can see that the dependence is small. It's just power 1 over 3. But uh, not only in this, you can see the value Q. Remember Q I've mentioned is that is the ratio of the companion star to the mass of the black hole. Okay? So, uh, this value also give uh, significant contributions on the um, uh, orbital decay rate. And also, and also, the dark matter density, the rho dm, okay, uh, that means the last term in the uh, orbital decay rate equation. This one also depends on the uh, mass of the black hole. So uh, the size of the black hole, very important, okay. Uh, in general, if you have a larger mass of black hole, right, a higher, that means a more massive black hole, then you will have a higher, larger density, uh, dark matter density spike. Okay. And generally speaking, your orbital decay rate should be larger. Right. This is uh, generally speaking. Okay. Yeah, thank you so much. And I wanted to give other people the opportunity to speak, Serena and Ethan. Uh, yeah, I was yeah. just, just going to comment. Uh, yeah, that is just a beautiful straight for a great idea straightforward um observations and uh, yeah congratulations that's uh, quite a nice thing i understand there's some assumptions there but still it's beautiful to see science when it happens like that okay thank you very much yeah i had two questions um so the first is about i'm i'm trying to you know get through the mechanism here so on the dynamical friction Mm. Um, I get that um, if the slower, I get the shaping of the distributions. So the slower ones are just going to get pulled in. And so the faster ones that, that remain and in, in concentrate outside the event horizon um, get enriched. Um, where I'm confused is the, how that amounts to an or, uh, decaying the, the, uh, the orbital decay rate. And how I'm trying to picture the you know the mechanism at work as the as the uh, the binary star is getting pulled in, um, it's not interacting directly with the dark matter. So I'm I'm trying to get a better picture of of how the enriched faster dark matter particles in the spike are going to slow the decay rate. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, a very good question because sometimes uh, the concepts are not very easy to, because uh, may, yes, uh, well, let me let me put it this way. Um, uh, first of all, uh, you know the effects of dynamic, dynamical friction. Dynamical friction is to slow down the movement. That means the companion star is, uh, the energy is lost, right? It's uh, losing, right? During the movement. So mm -hmm. uh, when the companion star lose the energy, Okay, moving slower, something like that. Then the companion star will go to a lower orbit because it has a smaller energy, oh, right? Oh, I see. So, I mean, are the predicted velocities of the dark matter faster than the orbit of the star at that point? Uh, the dark matter then, uh, velocity uh, is another distribution. 
because uh, the companion star, the speed of the companion star and the dark matter speed are not related. Okay. okay. Because they have so no interaction. The, yeah. Okay. So the it's just the, yeah, the, um, okay, I'm seeing the coupling into orbital decay just because it's slowing down. Right. Okay. And then the second question is, um, do, is, there, is there much we can say about the distribution of dark matter? And um, are we able to, you know, if say we, you know, we had plenty of these binary systems to study, um, are we, do we know enough about the distribution, you know, from indirect measures of, uh, of dark matter to um, have, uh, have, have selectional criteria or you know, expected densities uh, in particular systems? You know what I'm getting at? Do we know enough about how dark matter is distributed? I guess if it's 90%, but it's clumpy, right? I mean, are there concentrations of it in, in places where this effect would be exaggerated? Um, versus others? Right. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, first of all, uh, the distribution of dark matter can be quite very well uh, in inside a bi macro binary system, maybe you can see a dark matter density spike, very high density near the event horizon. But if we have no black holes in our galaxies, then the distribution will follow another uh, distribution. And we call this NFW distribution, right? Uh, we believe in this uh, uh, density, uh, I mean the, the functional form, right? And uh, in maybe in other structures like galaxy clusters, or in other uh, say maybe uh, some some astronomers believe that uh, dark matter also exists in a uh, globular cluster. So the distribution will be another. So I think distribution is a very difficult problem because we need to know uh, how uh, the ordinary matter and dark matter interact via gravitationally. So they do not have interaction, in fact, but uh, they can interact gravitationally. So uh, the baryon will be redistributed and the dark matter also redistributed. So the, the entire gravitational interaction is uh, not completely known. Therefore, uh, looking at the density spike in bi black hole binary system, uh, we can have some idea of these kinds of uh, uh, gravitational interaction. But uh, I don't think we can really, uh, I think the result cannot really imply all the other situations. So we, we need to uh, investigate uh, all these distributions case by case. So in galaxy, in galaxy clusters, in, in other systems, right? So, uh, and also in our universe, in our whole universe, then the distribution is uh, you you cannot use all these kinds of concepts. In fact, so uh, you cannot use this uh, result to generalize the dark matter distribution throughout our universe. Very cool. Thank you. Hey Kirko, uh, did you have a question or um, comment? Yeah, I do have a question. Uh, by the way, cool, really cool talk. I know nothing about this subject, but I am kind of like a nerd, so I'm trying to like, you know, saying look up all types of different things. Um, so my question. Um, so at least from what I understand, like as the black hole moves, 
like through whatever space uh, the dynamical friction causes the buildup of like the potential buildup of uh, dark matter from the area in which it's left. So my question is, uh, seeing as that's still like kind of like a, a concentration of matter, do you think that that could have like a gravitational influence on the other body that it's revolving around? It's kind of a two-part question. There's a second question after this. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, the in a black hole binary system, uh, the on the uh, the only observable effects in uh, via gravitational interaction is for the by the companion star only. So of course there are some other objects probably uh nearby the black hole binary system. Okay, but it's too far away. Therefore, the uh, uh, gravitational influence is uh, negligible. So that's mean, that means uh, we cannot see other gravitational effect due to this uh, dark matter density spike. We can only see the effect on the companion star only. Gotcha. Um, the second part of the question uh, may be like not so much towards your uh, specific area of research, but it's kind of like involving like three body systems. So it's like, at least from my like super basic understanding is that like from the technology we have now, we can kind of understand and plot out how like a two body system would uh, interact and how, you know, they would kind of rotate around each other or orbit around each other. But when it's a third body, everything is kind of out of whack. Is there a chance that uh, this like uh, dynamical friction be like leading to the reason why? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you continue to have like all these different bodies that are kind of in their wake, leaving like trails of dark matter, which, like, at least how I'm kind of like viewing it, it's like, like I'm thinking about it like super basic. Like, there's like. I have to simplify like this. There's a fly flying in a, a circle, and then you put another fly flying in a circle, and each fly is like leaving like a, a fart. Like the fly doesn't want to fly in the fart, but it kind of is attracted to sneaky stuff. So like this is kind of how my brain has to process it because I don't know physics. Um, so like it, at some point, like even though like the the smell is negligible to the flight path of the fart, then this is what I'm considering the the gravitational pull of the dark matter left from the dynamical friction, at some point, there is still that chance that that fly would fly towards that smell or that second or either body would start to interact with that slight, even if it's super minute, because I feel like the minuteness of like gravitational pulls kind of still is important. Like, you know, the sun pulls on the earth and the earth still pulls on the sun. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that kind of is, and also Jupiter pulls on Earth. You know what I'm saying? Like all these different pools, all like even though, regardless of how minute it is, it's important for maintaining the balance of the orbit. You know what I'm saying? Like I hope this question doesn't sound too convoluted. I'm not the best at describing anything. Yeah, right. Uh, so, uh, well, what I have mentioned before is that uh, in a black hole binary system, the only objects just black hole, dark matter, and the companion star. So we only have these three 
different uh, 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 objects, right? So, and, and so what you can see is uh, how they interact with each other. So of course you can consider other extra objects moving inside and then to see how how it would be affected, right? So that that is I think is uh, uh yeah it's okay, right? But uh, the problem is that uh, so far we cannot have this kinds of uh, investigation because uh, there is no other uh, objects inside the binary systems and. But what we can do is not uh, only looking at the dynamical effect because uh, the companion star, the dynamical effect on the companion star is already investigated. So the other way is that uh, the, uh, the dark matter density spike can also be uh, observed, right? If we have a good technology, that is the gravitational wave, okay? So the dark matter, because I have mentioned there are three bodies, right? So one, this is the black hole, and the companions are and the dark matter, right? So basically the orbital decay or the gravitational effect, we can also see these kinds of effects via gravitational wave. So gravitational wave is emitted. But uh, however, uh, the, uh, the energy is not enough or the frequency because I'm not an, uh, an astronomer in gravitational wave. So I, I'm not pretty sure the technical difficulties about uh, measuring gravitational wave in this regard. But uh, uh, if it, it can be measured, in principle, we can indirectly verify the gravitational influence of the dark matter spike near the uh, standard mass black hole. So I think this is the only way other than the dynamical effect on the companion star. Okay. Uh, of course, we can also look at the uh, so I've mentioned that uh, the gas extracted from the star, okay, will be swallowed by the black hole, okay, and then you can see some X-ray emitted, right? So if you can really resolve, right, the gas orbiting about the black hole, right, and we may have some uh, gravitational influence, right, between the gas and the dark matter, right, probably you can, you can really, uh, identify some possible signal. But uh, I have mentioned because the resolution is too slow, uh, too low, right? And you, you cannot really figure out uh, the the gas, right? You cannot really see the gas. The only way you can see is the star, right? Okay. So uh, I think uh, we have some difficulties in observations. Okay. And I can't see we can overcome all these hurdles in uh, in the near future. Yeah, thank you so much for that question. And I'm not sure, do you still have time for one more question? Um, because I know we've been going over an hour and <laughs> I told you 16 <laughs> minutes. So I wanted to check. If not, it's totally fine. John can reach out to me and then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss this question later. So just let me know if, if you have time or not. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One more question, maybe. Well, fine, right? So I think I... It's uh it's more in my part in in my in here right but maybe very light uh, it's already ten o'clock right p.m. right in, oh, yeah. in U.S. right yeah that's that's okay thank you so much uh, <laughs> so yeah welcome John uh, please go ask your question thank you thank you so much yeah <clears throat> sorry I'm kind of late uh, to join your conversation 
Um, as far as say, I'm not a physicist, so as far as I uh, understand the concept of dark matter was proposed uh, because see people find um, some strange phenomena that um, uh, the the movement of the stars at the edge of the galaxies um, is actually is pretty much the same speed as in the center. Hmm. So that's why they <clears throat> propose that to have a dark matter. So it supposedly is diffusely uh, present within the galaxies. So that's to maintain the structure of a galaxy. Hmm. Mm, but I, yeah, <clears throat> I actually always get confused to see, for example, if that's the case, then our solar system, um, how, if that, see, our solar system, we actually, when we do any kind of calculation, we do not uh, use that, uh, take, uh, see, dark matters uh, in, uh, in, uh, in account because uh, we always just see, okay, so the sun's see gravity uh, and uh, so different see uh, planets uh, uh, mass, and then they actually pretty fit almost perfectly with the our calculation without any dark matter involvement. Right. So, yeah. So I, I'm just wondering, see, if you okay. So right now, because you are considering, see, when you explain the movement of uh, see galaxy, the stars, and then you uh, use dark matter, but then how do you see like a re, uh, uh, do the calculation if you use uh, dark, uh, uh, put a dark matter uh, this concept into our solar system? Yes, this is a very good question, right? So, uh, I I would say in this way, right? Uh, dark matter formation, uh, the halo formation, depends on the size. So for galactic size, so uh, because it is very large, so dark matter has enough time to, uh, clump together to form, uh, structure. Okay, then you can see, why, uh, at the outer region, the uh the the stars moving as fast as uh, that in the central region because uh the dark matter distribution has because the size is large right for galaxies so they have enough time to form a uh, structure okay and you can see this phenomenon for solar system because the size is too small very very small so the dark matter does not have enough time to come together okay Therefore, uh, you cannot see this effect because uh, you cannot see the dark matter uh, clump together. Okay, so they are almost evenly distributed throughout the solar system. And therefore, you cannot see the effects because everywhere the same density. So basically, you cannot see any uh, effect right, of dark matter. And also, the density is very low. Okay, and the effect is completely negligible. Okay. But for a galaxy, because its size is large, and uh, they, the particles, the dark matter particles, clump together at the center, okay. Therefore, you can see a larger density at the center, but smaller density at the outer part, and you can. That's why you can see the effects of the star, the rotation curve. So we we have 
we have understand this uh, very well, right? Because although we don't know what's mean by uh, what what constitutes dark matter particle, but uh, if we assume dark matter particle is a very small particle, uh, non-interactive, and and we can predict how it distributes, right? For large size, but for small size, because you we we in uh, in theoretical physics we know that they do not come together. But why in black hole binary system is very small? Why it can come together to get a very high density uh, spike because of the black hole? So this is uh, the black holes accelerates the uh, the formation, the structure formation of dark matter. So I think this is a very special system. So unless you have a black hole or a, or the size is large or very massive, then these kinds of uh, objects or a structure can can uh, trigger the formation of dark matter structure okay so but for in solar solar system the sun is is not very massive so it cannot trigger the dark matter to come together and therefore you cannot see the direct influence of dark matter <clears throat> thank you so we can imagine the dark matter is some kind of city uh uh some kind of network or so it's in a huge huge sky uh kind of yes net, a background right? a background background path of uh diameter particles right yeah okay thank you well thank you so much um for the questions and um unless somebody else has a short comment or a short question to add Okay, uh, well, oh, Ethan uh, raised his hand. Um, Ethan, did you want to add? Um, yeah, I just had a yeah. thought and I was wondering if there, if you're going to follow up at all. Is there any, it seems like there might be opportunities or is there something about the configuration where it will then sort of diffuse again about the dark matter that clumped up that seems like you could find, you know, maybe some idea about its composite parts, depending on how fast it sort of diffused again, if that's an option or if that some kind of configuration would cause that to happen afterwards. You do you mean a uh, dark matter, so they come together and then diffuse again, you mean? Yeah, yeah. If, like, you no, know, no, no, we, we, we believe that this would not be the case, unless yeah. there are some extra, extra yeah, force to, yeah. to move them uh, apart, right? Because yeah, I was wondering if there's some other system or, you know, yeah, there'll yeah, be an probably. opportunity for another passing star or something to, yeah, to cause it to happen. Yeah, that energy may be probably, but uh, because, you know, massive objects attract each other and gravitational force will always attract, attract and attract. And so it always come together, but not diffuse apart. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Is the amount of so if they don't come apart is the amount of black holes and dark matter um increasing over time or rather decreasing because i thought in the beginning of the universe there were these humongous um you know prehistoric black holes so how did they how did it change into having smaller or did it change have smaller maybe more or less black holes over time during the universe uh well there are two factors right so the black hole will continue to swallow matters surrounding it right so this would give 
the black hole more massive. Okay. But on the other hand, it has another mechanism called black hole evaporation. So the black hole, uh, I, I say that light cannot escape from black hole, right? But black hole itself has a mechanism to emit uh, a very tiny amount of particles, okay, through uh, a mechanism called black hole evaporation. So we believe that if this is true, then black hole is, the mass is getting smaller, but the rate is very slow, okay? Therefore, uh, these two factors come together and you will see uh, the black hole, the swallowing rate would be, I think it's much larger than the evaporation rate, right? So I think uh, most of the black holes are getting larger and more massive, but uh, it depends on the matter surrounding it. Oh, that's really interesting. Uh, yeah, thank you for that explanation. So yeah, this is such an interesting topic and discussion. And we're looking forward to learn about um, future, uh, about your future work, because um, I'm, I'm really interested to see once you analyze more, if, um, you know, if I, I would assume this probably holds up and when you analyze different type of um, sizes and black holes, um, how the data uh, will match your your um, hypothesis. So thank you for sharing this and taking the yeah, time to explain yeah. this to us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah and thank you everyone for coming and asking questions. Um, yeah. And uh, I hope I hear you all soon again and maybe Manho uh, will we'll, uh, talk again one day. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'll close the room in three, two, one. Bye everyone. Thank you.